PM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Bruce. Welcome back to EM Board Bombs, where we are doing this audio take from Alabama. Right, Dr. Briggs? Howdy. Howdy. Roll Tide. Uh, we won't forget our Auburn folks. What is it? War Eagle? War Eagle. War Eagle, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, we're down here in Alabama. We just did a kayaking trip yesterday. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Iltafat actually uh, wrestled an alligator. Ooh, we'll, yeah, let's save that for our fireside chat. We're going actually camping tonight. We're going to be doing a live, uh, what do we call it? Bedside fireside chat <laughs> with some live wood. <laughs> hey, and uh, don't worry. Gators were not harmed. Yeah, gators were not harmed. No animals yes. were harmed. Yeah, we don't want messages from, is it PETA? Yeah, we don't want PETA coming mm-hmm. after us. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's uh, jump into this question. A 20-year-old male presents to your ED after he was pulled out of the pool after there was concern for drowning. Initially, the patient had altered mental status, but he was protecting his airway. In route, the patient had been placed on nasal cannula at 2 liters for symptomatic care. When he arrives to your ED, his O2 sats, when you remove his nasal cannula, are 96%. He has no complaints at this time, and his physical exam is reassuring. When you ask the patient what happened, he tells you that he was really excited about the upcoming Summer Olympics in Japan, and his favorite event is the diving competition. He informs you it was introduced in the Olympics in St. Louis in 1904, and he's been a fan of the sport ever since. He was really hoping one of America's top divers, Delaney Schnell, will bring home the gold. While you are fascinated by learning more about diving, especially Olympic diving, You redirect him and ask him again, how did you end up here, sir? He tells you he's been ingesting a little too much alcohol and was trying to do a reverse one and a half somersault with four and a half twist. Very difficult to perform, uh, especially when you're intoxicated. Uh, Unfortunately, (laughs) he pancaked, uh, got startled, ingested water, and felt himself drowning, and then got pulled out of the pool. Again, at this time, he is asymptomatic. What is the next best step in your ED? Is it A, place the patient in a C-collar, B, admit the patient to the hospital for observation, C, getting a chest x-ray, or D, observe in your ED for four to eight hours if asymptomatic discharge? Wait, uh, right before we... Whoa, whoa, okay, okay, never mind, never mind. Sorry, sorry. hold up, hold up. Real quick. As usual, we love to plug our premium podcast, EM Rapid Bombs. If you enjoy EM Board Bombs and want a TikTok version of our podcast, that's what the Rapid Bombs podcast is. We just hit 100 episodes on EM Rapid Bombs. Each episode is just two to four minutes long. We drop high-yield board knowledge in a question-and-answer format. So it's seared into your memory. And really, more than just board knowledge, we're just dropping life knowledge. Like a well-cooked steak. Exactly. If Seared you don't like steak, yeah, Impossible like Burger. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you got to yeah. remember those. Vegan, too, right? protein, yeah, hey, yeah, vegetable we, protein. We love everyone, all right? Yeah, we do. On average, we drop four episodes a week. Uh, you get a new podcast delivered to you almost daily. So you may be asking yourself, one, why is Ultifat in Alabama? That's a great question. That's a great question. We're going to answer, we're gonna answer later. Yeah. yeah, many friends have asked that. <laughs> Secondly, you may be asking, who is EM Rapid Bonds for? Yes. That's relevant. Yes. It's for people who would rather get short bursts of learning done via audio form while driving, working out, 
We have had signups range from medical students to residents to seasoned attendings. So who is Rapid Bombs not for? Not. Not. The keyword is not here. Well, if you're really into, um, you know, complex pathophys, organic chemistry, mm-hmm. uh, you want to know the nitty-gritty details of every disease pathology, uh, you want to know the percents as well for random things that don't really happen that often. Right. You like to listen to one-hour or maybe two-hour-long podcasts mm. uh, where the hosts make fun of studies mm. uh, that are underpowered. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Am I driving And again, on? there's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Still love you. We love you guys. But guess what we're not doing? That. We're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not us. That's not us. So there are plenty of other paying podcasts you can sign up for for that. But if that's not you, then you can sign up for EM Rapid Bombs on emrapidbombs.supercast.tech. And look at the show notes of this podcast as well. We'll have a link to that. And then you can also go to our website, our home website, emboardbombs.com. That may be easier for some people. And then just click at the banner at the top of the page. There's also a pop-up ad. Hey, Dr. Briggs, let's get back to the correct answer. Yeah, so the correct answer here, you stole my thunder earlier, is going to be uh, choice D. You're going to observe in the ED for a range of four to eight hours. And if they're asymptomatic at that time, you can discharge them without what? any x-rays. You're I know, right? a chest x-ray this is, I know, right? Is that crazy? Patient? Can you imagine? What is going on can here? We're going to get into this. Yeah, we are. We're going to talk about it. Hey, guess what? Drowning is a leading cause of death. One of the leading causes of death. Ugh, in children. Sure. Less than five years old. It's a frustrating Ooh. cause of death, right? Yeah, that's sad. About every year... Are you, are you sitting down right now? Yes, I you am. are. I'm looking at you right now, actually. You are looking at me. So you are sitting down. Yeah. About every year... These stats are going to blow your mind mm. here. About every year, drowning causes about 500,000 deaths worldwide. Wow. And guess what? Now that we're thinking about this, you're probably thinking, how do they know 500,000 people die worldwide of this? I'm well, we, do, we don't. We don't. Oh. To answer your question. Uh, so that means that the numbers probably double that. Oh my gosh. Terrible. Yeah. We can think of developing countries that probably have higher numbers. Terrible. So this number is likely underestimated, especially in developing countries. In fact, low middle income countries account for like greater than 90% of drowning fatalities. Mm. There's a lot of confusing terms related to drowning. I've heard these before. I get these questions a lot at cocktail oh, parties. Uh, yes, uh, I do. Do you uh, get these questions yes, a lot? Yes. It's insane. Uh, maybe not cocktail parties. Uh, you frequent, but uh, yes. in the ED. Yes. I, don't, I don't know what you're implying, good sir. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so we need to avoid these terms. We recommend against ever using terms like the following. You ready? Mm. These are big no-nos. You shouldn't do this. Wet drowning. Ah. Dry drowning. Oof. And near drowning. Eh. These are ambiguous. They're confusing. And they don't really carry any context. No. So drowning appears to have a bimodal distribution. You know, the first peak's going to be in children, obviously less than five. Right. And those, you know, children are usually unsupervised in pools, bathtubs, etc. And less than 10% of these cases are related to child abuse and neglect, unfortunately. It's very unfortunate. The second peak is in young adults, however, 15 to 30. And this is going to be recreational swimming, you know, obviously higher risk-taking behavior. Correct. Um, maybe areas that are unsafe to swim in, etc. Mixed in with substances that we'll get into. Yes, many substances. Yes. Uh, hey, what are the risk factors? So those disproportionately affected in the U.S. are males, African Americans, and children less than five years of age and low socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. Other risk factors include alcohol consumption. Now get this, with greater than 50% of adult drowning related to it. Greater than 50%. That is massive. Hyperthermia associated trauma, seizure, or risk-taking behavior are all risk as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's get into the pathophys. Hey, can you make sure, sorry to interrupt you, yeah, can yeah, you make yeah. sure the pathophys is really short? Because yeah, yeah, we will. Uh, I'm making sure that I'm, I am not paying for an hour-long pathophys podcast. That's why this is free. Yeah. Yeah, this is free. <laughs> That's right. 
Initially, an episode of panic results in a loss of normal breathing pattern and a struggle by the patient to stay above water. So the involuntary inspiratory effort eventually Mm. occurs, resulting in hypoxemia. This is followed by aspiration of fluid and a reflex laryngeospasm when water contacts the lower respiratory tract. Unfortunately, then, cerebral hypoxia is a major piece in morbidity and mortality. That was just the right amount of pathophys. I love it. Done. So here's a key thing. There's no difference between salt and freshwater drowning. Both result in hypoxemia. FYI. So Mm, a little bit of that sodium doesn't really change anything. No, it doesn't. That's fascinating. You know, that used to be a thing. People thought that. Yes, yes. Uh, And which is why we're dropping this knowledge. You know, that's that's a little cocktail pearl for you. You Yeah, yeah. Both both salt and freshwater (laughs) equally destroy surfactant, Uh, unfortunately, causing non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema from fluid shifts and ARDS. Neurologically, patients can have cerebral edema and elevated intracranial pressures consistent with cerebral hypoxia. 20% 20% of drowning victims sustain neurological damage, unfortunately, limiting full recovery. Arrhythmia may occur depending on the degree of hypoxemia as well as concomital hypothermia from the water temperature. That's a really important one. That's an important one. And I've seen that question actually on Rosh Review before and right. peer review. So right. they have a question like that where they say, hey, someone falls off a boat or something and it's cold, or they go diving in cold water, right. and they say then they end up dead. What's the cause? And it's, and it's always this submersion injury, uh, yeah. hypothermia-induced uh, arrhythmia that kills them. Yep. And it's like, well, they didn't really you know, drown or whatever. It was like a submersion injury and they stopped swimming. It's because they had this fatal arrhythmia. Yeah, I've seen that board question mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. Exactly. Atrial fibrillation along with uh, fatal ventricular tachycardias may occur. Right, right, right. Kind right. of allude to right. Right. Exactly. right now. No major electrolyte abnormalities are seen in drowning cases unless there's significant hypothermia present. And we've got a hypothermia pod that folks can listen to as well. We sure have. We came out about a year ago, and it's it's pretty thorough. It's pretty it awesome. Is. Hey, yeah. can you talk about some of the pre-hospital management here? Because that's really important. It sure is. Uh, this is another one of those things just like lightning uh, and snake bites that just comes up in terms of what you do with these patients outside the hospital. Correct. So much like any arrest case, bystander intervention significantly improves survival. Mm-hmm. And it's different from a typical cardiac arrest case where you know you have circulation, breathing, airway is emphasized. Here, breathing, airway, circulation is emphasized. So BAC. BAC back. Back. Get back to the basics. Back. You like that? I like it. That's very good. So ventilation here is attempted first. And rescue breathing should begin ASAP, as soon as the patient is placed in a safe space and mm-hmm. able to be safely administered rescue breath. So you do not use the Heimlich maneuver here. I don't, you know, it's funny that we have to mention these things, but yeah. so many myths are out there, right? Correct. Postural draining techniques to drain, like, yeah, whatever, nope. their mouth, their lungs, that's nope. stupid. Don't do that. That has been proven, actually, in, yes. in multiple studies mm-hmm. now. Yes. Were these well-designed studies that are underpowered? Oh, man, we're not getting that. <laughs> nope. That's not us. I trust you. So draining techniques, we just mentioned, they don't remove water. They, don't do, they have no value here. Don't do any of that stuff. So if the patient does not respond at all to two rescue breaths, immediately begin CPR. Mm. And then you follow all the BLS pathways, perform high-quality CPR, you get help, you find AED to apply to the patient. You do your typical BLS-ACLS workup, right? right? And can you please, let's talk about the cervical injury stuff here in these folks. Cervical spine injury is rare in most drowning victims, unless there's any clinical evidence of trauma or like a witness dive into a shallow area, which is not that common. No cervical spine immobilization is indicated here. In fact, sea collars can interfere with airway management 
and are not recommended, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's what the reading is on this. Really, you should not be prioritizing C calorie. You should be prioritizing getting breaths in the patient because mm-hmm. it can actually inhibit your ability to get breaths in the patient and that back part, so the breathing part. Mm-hmm. But in general, on the bo- even the boards that were saying don't do that. Don't do this it. is not like a thing that they're carrying over and saying you have to right. do this now for drowning victims. The boards are pretty clear about when C collars are indicated, and this is not one of those cases. And that will be the wrong answer for sure if you say put a C collar on a typical drowning patient. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Hey, let's get into some of the ED management since I cover pre-hospital. Yeah, for sure. So in addition to continuing pre-hospital efforts in unstable or unresponsive patients, intubation should be actively sought after in anyone unable to protect their airway. Or the inability to maintain O2 sats greater than 90% despite the use of high-flow oxygen devices. In those who do not require immediate intubation, give supplemental O2 to maintain O2 sats greater than 94%. You know, here's an interesting one. Um, you can consider using BiPAP on these patients. Yeah. Uh, there are some studies out there uh, that show that, you know, it can potentially prevent intubation. We advise using N-tidal CO2 as a marker for respiratory status in addition to standard pulse oximetry and telemetry. Obviously, you know, while you're taking care of that airway, remove all the wet clothing, rewarm that patient as well. Mm-hmm. That's something that oftentimes gets forgotten mm-hmm. as you're managing that airway. Briggs, can you get into that overall disposition? You know, a lot of the questions on boards like ours today right. are going to ask questions regarding what you do with these patients. You know, are they an automatic admission if they drown right. or near drowning, right? Oh, mm-hmm. sorry, we're not using that term anymore. Just stop kidding. it. Stop I'm, it. I'm, I'm stopping it. It was just a joke. Dry so. drowning. Hey, so admit versus discharge, ICU versus floor, that kind of thing. So any symptomatic patient requiring supplemental oxygen, well, that's pretty obvious. You're going to admit those patients. So here's the catch. Yeah. Not just admit to the floor. These are ICU patients. For sure. So the, they've studied this, and they've shown if you're on supplemental oxygen after drowning, you have a much higher risk of developing non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema in several hours. ARDS, other bad uh, Exactly right, because that's surfactant loss. And so it is critical these patients do not go to a floor bed and get Q4 hour vitals. Yeah. They need Q1 hour vitals, constant monitoring, entitled CO2, et cetera. That might be one of those where they're doing the Q4 hour check and there are no vitals to record. Oh, that's true. That's great when you look in the EMR and you don't see anything on the record, right? Yeah. Bad. When you're trying to pop, post in your note, you're like, oh, there's nothing to post. So those critically ill with evidence of neurologic insult, they unfortunately face a very large uphill battle for good neurologic outcome. Hey, why don't you get into the happier story here, which is basically discrediting every single thing that people do around the country for asymptomatic patients. For sure. Yeah, I know. I know. Asymptomatic patients, oh, there's a drowning yeah. event. The patient became altered in the yep. event. It, it was true drowning. They coughed up water. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we automatically think we have to admit all these folks. That's right? insane. That, that's not the case, right? So it's more common to have asymptomatic patients post-drowning event. Um, than having, you know, these folks who decompensate. For sure. So while, it, you know, and before we really get into that some more, I do want to talk about chest x-ray, right? Mm. While a standard chest x-ray is reasonable for any patient who presents after a drowning event, it is not necessary if the patient remains asymptomatic. This is really important. It is not necessary if the patient remains asymptomatic. Evidence does not support chest x-rays in asymptomatic patients even after a drowning event, again, in asymptomatic patients, and it should really only be performed if symptoms develop during their ED course or there's a change in pulse oximetry. Hmm. A study on patients requiring admission after a drowning event showed that patients who develop acute lung injury or ARDS often had abnormal chest x-rays a few hours 
after the initial event, but not necessarily on arrival to the ED. Mm. So even getting that chest x-ray can kind of falsely give you mm-hmm. an impression that the patient is okay. You know, it's really fascinating because this is such a good point for general emergency medicine. Right. And for, you know, as we're in July here, tips for new docs and right. uh, tips for med students on their wear rotations. Right. Just because you get a test and it's negative, that doesn't mean you're in the clear ever, right? Right. So, yes, it's reassuring when you have these tests and you feel good about it, but it's so important to reassess patients and think to yourself, you know, about the opportunity this patient presented to you. Right. right. You know, they could have presented five minutes after having their chest pain onset. Your troponin's negative. Right. You know, of course it's going to be negative. Right. Versus, hey, you got a drowning patient that comes in and it's been five minutes after drowning. Their chest rays is definitely not going to show any changes. Right. Right. Versus three hours later where they're starting to get, you know, hypoxemic and that sort of thing. It's just fascinating to think about and fascinating to think about your facet of care. If something is not making sense about the patient, right. you should probably just think about reevaluating that patient later. Just because yeah. you're in the clear about getting negative tests doesn't mean that that test is truly telling you it's negative, exactly. right? Exactly. And that's why it's a four to eight hour period where you are observing this patient yes. for a prolonged period in your ED. So they might show up, they might feel completely great. They want to head back to the beach. They want to go back to the pool. You need to observe them for four to eight hours mm-hmm. to make sure they do, they do not decompensate. The mm-hmm. most important test that you're administrating for them is time. For sure. And making sure they're on the pulse ox, making sure you're asking them, how they're symptomatically feeling. So it's not just pulse ox, but say, are you developing shortness of breath? Are you, are you having a difficult time breathing? It's listening to their lungs again. That's really important. It's funny because, sorry, another facet here mm-hmm. of um, uh, deep thinking in emergency medicine is that time, we treat time as an enemy in emergency medicine, we do, we do. but it really is an ally yeah. in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. So if you think about emergency medicine, we are trained from day one mm-hmm. to get fast disposed and to admit patients quickly, discharge quickly. Right. That's valuable for sure. For sure. And running a busy ED is important, but think to yourself, those patients that actually benefit from our time, because I feel like emergency physicians, because people tell me this all the time, is that I'm an incredibly impatient person. Right. Uh, and emergency physicians in general are very rush, rush, let's right. get it done. And I think there's sometimes you have to take a step back and tell yourself, and I have, I'm guilty of this all the time, is that, you know what? This type of patient, it, it seems like they've been here forever, but it's been an hour. I need to observe them even longer, right? We're not, we're impatient people. Yeah, exactly. It, it, there's a thing called a serial abdominal exam. I tell my Wait, what? residents as well. A is that, does that involve CTs every few hours? <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. And look, I'm, my residents who are listening to this might be laughing because they know I'm all about dispo, dispo, dispo. But I tell them the most important thing is obviously patient safety. And if it takes more time, it takes more time. For sure. Right? Absolutely. Hey, another imaging modality that gets overused is cervical imaging. Oh, stop. Yes. So we talked about... Um, no way, no way. Collar, right? So <laughs> C-spine injuries in patients who had a drowning event, like we talked about, they're rare. You can think about C-spine imaging in patients who cannot elicit an appropriate physical exam or history, right? So this is the patient who's unresponsive. But if the patient is asymptomatic, such as in our case, and whom the physical exam was reassuring you can be selective in your imaging based on exam results. That's why one of the answer choices was C-spine you know, imaging, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was wrong. Mm-hmm. So yes, in the patient we gave you, you could not use Nexus due to intoxication. I feel like Nexus just never works for me, by Whoa, the way. Yeah, okay, let's but, just take a step back but, here. But, but you could have applied Canadian C-spine here. You could have. Right? The exam was completely benign. Um, and in this patient, you know, they could range their neck to the right, left. By the way, uh, it is one of my favorite clinical decision tools to you since it doesn't, you know, take into account all this, you know, uh, subjectivity, right? It's a lot more objective. Hey, can you talk about the bronchospasm? Sure. So bronchospasm is going to be a common late complication, and it can be treated like any acute asthma exacerbation with bronchodilators. They respond well, 
and that's the case. The only thing you're not going to do here, mm-hmm. like an asthma exacerbation, is right. what? Not giving steroids or antibiotics. And we mentioned this because there was a time where these types of treatments were actually given for patients who had drowning events. Mm. Um, they would straight up be giving steroids if they develop bronchospasms and other things, right? You do not need to give those things. They have not been you know, found to have any benefit. Sim- this is a similar story to like aspiration pneumonitis right. and aspiration pneumonia, right? It was right. that whole thing like, oh, give me antibiotics. Like, actually, no, they, it's not going to help anything. Hey, another thing that actually comes up is this pneumonia. Right. So this is the time when you do give antibiotics, right? So post-drowning pneumonia is, a, is really poorly understood. As you can imagine, it is difficult to isolate if the pneumonia is exactly caused by drowning itself. The exact incidence is debated and differs in studies, but most agree that it's going to be very uncommon. And antibiotics are only indicated in cases of suspected pulmonary infection or if the victim was, you know, submerged in contaminated water, like a septic tank or something. Yeah. should be laughing. It just sounds absolutely awful. Oh. So by contaminated water, we're referring to like wastewater, runoff, you right. know, septic tank, sewage, right. factory, horrible runoff things, right. you know. If pneumonia does develop, you really need to think about water pathogens like uh, what? Like Pseudomonas, Proteus. God, Pseudomonas. What a pain in the I rear. can never pronounce this one. Aramonas. 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 That's a very like bougie way of saying Aramonas. It's kind of like when I was eating the biscotti that it's you biscotti. gave me. Or biscotti. It's, I didn't say it that way. You're treating I it like, like I said it like... It, I feel like you were saying it. I don't have a southern accent. Why are you like suddenly you saying I, I have a southern accent? You've been in Alabama for like but, a year. But I clearly have been on the podcast... I don't know. For eight months now, and I still don't have to like accent. Faking. I feel like you're faking. I'm it. hiding it? Yeah, you're hiding it. You yeah. It's it like out. Christian Bale. I never knew Christian Bale was British in all the Batman movies, really? and he has like a solid he does. British accent. And but he, he gave all his interviews in an American accent. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. But it's just hilarious because I never knew, and yeah. I'm like, oh my God, he's British. It's amazing. <laughs> anyway, okay. Yeah. So, um, hey, why don't you talk about the outcomes here for these patients? So, the outcome. There is evidence that certain factors play a large role in survival following drowning. These are testable. Mm-hmm. So. Duration of submersion is the most important factor for survival outcomes and carries a much higher mortality rate if it's greater than five minutes. Test question. Test question right there, right? Duration of submersion, you know, greater than five minutes. Honestly, the other factors are essentially the same as for cardiac arrest. For sure. Time to BLS, resuscitation duration, age, GCS, persistent apnea, blood pH less than 7.1. There's no need to memorize these. They're really it's common sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All they're going to ask you, the number one risk is duration of right. submersion. That's it. That's it, right? In conclusion, over 75% of drowning patients survive with full neurological function with 6% suffering residual neurological deficits. Hey, so in addition to some of the things I just mentioned, I want to run through some of those key pearls that folks should know from this podcast. This is that summary that we like to do. So in patients... Who are asymptomatic after a drowning event, they're in your ED. Do you need to get a chest x-ray? No, sir. No, you do not. Hey, do you need to get a C-spine film on these patients if they're asymptomatic? No. And no. I said that in Spanish. It's the same thing in English. No. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure. I thought you did. I yeah. thought you did, but I, yeah. I wasn't sure if you're using some of your Spanish as well. Yeah. It's That's hard good. to tell sometimes. I know. It is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> All right. Next question. In folks who are asymptomatic, do you automatically admit them for observation? No, I do not. No. So remember, you do not automatically admit those patients. What's the duration that you observe asymptomatic patients after a drowning event? 
probably around four to eight hours. You got it. Four to eight hours. Now, yeah. if at any point they become symptomatic, then yes, that is when you pull the trigger mm-hmm. for admission overnight. Yeah, and if they rate. ever require or if they ever require supplemental O2, you're admitting them where? To the ICU, obviously. Exactly, to the ICU. Yeah. You're not admitting them to the floor, even if they're on just one liter of oxygen. Absolutely right? right. That is critical because, again, they can decompensate very rapidly. And we talked about one of those highly tested questions, the prognosis. What's that? The biggest indicator for prognosis here factor is going to be duration of submersion right. by far. Right. And when the, these folks are taken out of the pool, what are you doing first? Well, the first member of the order is going to be back. Back, back to the basics. Back. Breath, airway, circulation. Right. Two rescue breaths. Doing things like Heimlich and right. you know, turning them over, doing all this other stuff. You're not doing any worthless. of that stuff. They're worthless. Right? Two all breaths. Right. If that fails, CPR. Yeah. I feel like we threw a lot of pearls at This is folks. a fantastic, yeah, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It really Sam. is. Yeah. Because I think uh, we really told people overall management, treatment, mm-hmm. you know, things that they might reflexively jump on, just mm-hmm. ordering chest x-rays, ordering C-spine films, and unnecessary tests. Uh, but really, it's that observation period. That's going to be critical, and that's going to dictate a lot of things. Um, because it's kind of obvious when the patient's like symptomatic, what to do, right? Of if they're course. requiring oxygen, Absolutely. requiring other things, yeah. you kind of know. But it's more, yeah. you're going to be presented with more of the asymptomatic mm-hmm. uh, patient for the most part. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's it. Hey, um, our next pod is going to be pretty exciting. It's yeah. going to be a fireside chat. Fireside Not chat. Franklin D. Roosevelt's either. No, not his. Hopefully Although history his, got that. Have you heard some of them? They, yeah, they they're were, pretty amazing. They were pretty amazing. They've restored right? a lot of them. On, you can watch them on YouTube. Yeah, no, I know. It's awesome. You know, I've listened to some of them. Mm-hmm. They've been quite fascinating. Um, his, his, great orator, by the way. Oh, yeah, for great sure. Great orator. Right. Um, but we're going to be uh, getting into maybe some non-traditional medicine things. Yeah, art of medicine. Art of medicine. More art of medicine stuff. Uh, we hope we're, you guys We're so like artsy. It. Yeah. We're going to do that. Uh, hopefully the rain's going to hold up and yeah. hold, you know, hold away. Actually, it was raining a little bit earlier today, but uh, we're going to do it by the campfire. Absolutely. Are we cooking anything? We are. Oh, s'mores. We got, we got, a, lot of, we got a lot of food to make. We got s'mores, and then we're going to be doing the, uh, yeah. the chicken and, and veggies, right? Oh, yeah. Right? Cause chicken and veggies. Chicken and veggies. Nice. Yeah. I like it. All right. And there will be... Fra- uh, we're going to have a fried gator, too. Yeah. And we're going to have a special guest. We do have a special guest yes, too. Yes, uh, someone who's traveling with me. Yes. Yes, yeah, visiting you here in Bama. Absolutely. All right, it's going to be fun. All right, see you then. See you next time. Hey, sign up for uh, EM what? Rapid Bombs. You got it. Are you trying to test me? Yeah, I was. I was. EM Rapid Bombs. <laughs> trying, to, trying to see if my southern accent comes out. Right, right. <laughs> EM Rapid Bombs.supercast.tech. Exactly. Hit the website. You can go to our website, EM Bore Bombs, as well, and just click on the announcement bar to sign up. Oh, and we will be posting a picture of myself. Blake and our special guest kayaking in the Delta. Mm-hmm. Under wrestling Gators. Yeah, wrestling Gators. Oh, right. We gotta save that for later. We do. All right. we'll, we'll throw some pictures up on the See you next time. Bye.